go to chapter 5 for a few hours, I mean a few minutes, and uh, we're going to be preaching a message entitled The Soldier's Prayer. The Soldier's Prayer. You know, I believe that not only a lot of people gave their lives for God and the country, but a lot of lives were never the same. I know when my daddy came out of the uh, World War II, he never was the same until he got saved. He never stopped drinking. When he got saved, he stopped drinking. And he got saved because uh, the Holy Ghost convicted him uh, that he could not live in the false crutch of liquor anymore and also the false peace that it gave. And folks, I want to encourage you, especially you veterans, don't be depressed today. Have peace. Have peace of God that God spared you. Don't feel guilty either. God spared you to be a soldier for Jesus. And He's given you a purpose. And that purpose is to represent Him every day and not cow down and be um, a deserter. Don't go AWOL. Be faithful. Be a soldier in rank. Stay in your place of service. And this soldier, a great soldier named Joshua, was about to face the battle of Jericho. And this battle was going to be a supernatural victory and a supernatural conquest, but I want to tell you something. What took place in verses 13 through 15 of our text made the difference. He met with the captain of the host. Would to God every soldier, before he went in battle, would meet with the captain of the host. Amen? And I want to tell you something. It's only by the grace of God you're sitting here today, not just because some man died in your place or some woman died in your place on the foreign soil, but God allowed you to be here. And we ought to express our thanksgiving to soldiers that give, gave their life by coming faithfully to the house of God and not making Sunday a recreation day, not making Sunday a picnic day, not making Sunday a shopping day, not making Sunday some kind of selfish day, but making Sunday a day of worship. That is what they died for, amen? They didn't die for you to have fun. They died for you for the furtherance of the gospel. Say amen. Now I'm fired up. I'm overflowing. I'm too emotional to even preach this morning. But I thank God for our country. And I thank God for our church. And I thank God for this word. I've been, I've been fired up over the Rock of Ages tape that was sent me this week about uh, those men that died for the scriptures, especially the King James Bible, and how they burned at the stake. Folks, those are heroes too. So I'm honoring three heroes this, this, this morning. I'm honoring the soldiers, the scripture martyrs, and the Savior Jesus Christ who took your place. Amen? They all died. But I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, Jesus lives again. Amen? He's alive. And so I want you to realize you're in a warfare and you need to pray this prayer as a good soldier if you're going to see the walls come down. Many of you got strongholds of, of bitterness in your life. Many of you got strongholds and the devil's got some habit, some problem, some depression. And if you're ever going to overcome those walls, you're going to have to let God do it. So let's stay in all the Word of God, verse 13 through 15. I'll preach chapter 4, 5, and 6, but I'm going to allow you to stand and all God's people said for three verses. <laughs> Amen. And it came to pass, that's what I want to explain in just a minute. When Joshua was, was at by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. That scared half of us to death. 
And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he did worship. That's what I'm talking about. Worship. And said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servants? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe, didn't say shoe, shoe, from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And then you know the next chapter, the great victory, as they marched seven times around the walls of Jericho and they fell. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this special service. And I don't apologize for taking time to honor those that honored us by giving their lives for our freedom and for our privilege to worship you and for this word that we get to preach this morning. So Lord, help us. Help us in Jesus' name to realize what it takes to win the warfare and what it takes, God, for the walls to come down in our lives and in this nation and in this world for your glory. And we'll praise you and thank you for the victory that was won at Calvary being manifest through our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, who thought we'd ever see a day when atheists would be angry? Atheists are angry today. They're angry at God, they're angry at the church, they're angry at God's people. Who ever thought we'd live in a day when Christians wouldn't know uh, they were in a warfare? A lot of people don't realize we're in a warfare. They think this is just church. Who would thought that we'd ever live in a day when uh, Jesus would be so profaned? His word kicked out of school. His commandments kicked out of the courthouse. When we, uh, who, who thought that we would see a day when morality would be a, in a free fall? When the Bible would be marginalized? When the church would be irrelevant. We live in that day. It's just irrelevant. If I come, I come. If I don't, I don't. When the Muslim state could intimidate the whole world. Who thought we'd ever live in that day? This radical Islamic terror would terrorize everyone. You go to a concert. And I tell you what, I'm praying much tomorrow because I know these demonic terrorists would love to spoil the day that we honor those that gave their life for our freedom. When do, who thought we'd ever live in a day when America would turn her back on Israel? Who thought we'd ever live in a day where Christians lose a sense of commitment. Folks, the reason that we live in such a day is that because somewhere along the line we have dropped our sword. We have forgot to pray. And we have not sought God for true revival in this country. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll live in a state like they're living in over in Syria. And you said that never happened. Middle East, Afghanistan that many of our children are fighting in. But what we need is to get back to realizing that 
no general is equipped for the warfare, no Christian, no soldier of Christ, which we are, we're called, and we're fellow soldiers, is equipped for the battle against Satan, the world, and the flesh. We need to meet the captain of the host. Amen? Now, folks, it says it came to pass. And I want you to know, friend, what came to pass. If you go back to chapter 4, I'm just going to briefly, because uh, we're a little late tonight, today, but I don't apologize for it at all. I'm just expressing my freedom. Amen? I'm enjoying myself today. Amen. I'm just expressing freedom. And I'm glad you expressed it by being here. In chapter 4, we see two memorials. We see they, they supernaturally, the Red Sea split, and praise God, uh, we see the, uh, uh, the victory of salvation pictured in, in that great day where Moses said, be still and know that, uh, see the salvation of the Lord. But then we see the Jordan River splits. And uh, today we have split churches, split families, and split personalities. God help us. But I want to tell you something, friend. When God works, He splits the obstacles right in half. Listen to me, young people. And I want you to see that Joshua said, when we pass over this river, let's remember. Let's not forget. Let's set up a memorial. And the memorial was for the children. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. It was a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. He said, I don't want the children to forget what got us here. Excuse me. Who got us here? That God split the Red Sea picture of salvation. And God split the Jordan. That's not a picture of death. Because there ain't never been no battles in heaven. Amen. That's dying to self. That's the Jordan River. Uh, those gospel songs sound good. and They're tear jerkers. But they're not scriptural. Jordan's not a picture of physical death going into heaven. But it's a picture of spiritual death dying and letting heaven come in your life. Dying to self. Realizing the battle of Jericho's and the other battles, the battle of Ai and all other battles will be fought by the Lord if we'll yield to Him and let Him be who He is through us. It's the fullness of the Spirit. It's the victorious Christian life. There will be battles. There will be uh, the onslaught of Satan against us and the world and the flesh. But we can have victory if we'll meet in prayer at the foot of the captain of the host. Amen. And I see this memorial, the rocks were stacked up, 12 of them, 12 stones, verse 20, chapter 4. We see as we came over the Jordan on dry land, that's what it was to remember. And then it was a reminder, last verse, chapter 4, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. Can somebody say amen? amen. Folks, And that ye might fear the Lord your God for how long? Forever. You know what we need, folks? We need a revival of old-fashioned fear in God. This is a God-fearing nation that started with religious liberty. Say amen. And we need to realize that, folks, it doesn't take a war time for the fear of God, but we are in a war. We're in a war against terrorism. We're in a war for freedom. You saw all those uh, numbers of all those casualties, even the war against terror. And I want you to know, friend, God blessed uh, Israel, and they crossed that Red Sea. And I want to tell you what happened. In chapter 5, the, the Canaanites' heart melted, and the spirit and their spirit in them was not anymore. You know what that was saying? It knocked the wind out of the Canaanites. <laughs> I mean, friend, when, when God works a miracle, it knocks the wind out of the heathen. Say amen. And these Canaanites, they were amazed, and their heart melted, 
and their spirit in them uh, was gone. I mean, it knocked the wind out of them, so to speak. I, I used to play sports. I played soccer in college. And I remember one time, I was the littlest guy and the skinniest guy. That's why I played soccer, praise God. And I was the fastest too, praise the Lord. Been a lot of weight since then, hallelujah. And uh, I remember one time, I was going down there just dribbling the ball. And, uh, and this big old guy come up and he hit me in the chest uh, trying to head the ball or something. I don't know what he was doing. And he knocked the wind out of me. And I was sitting down there gasping for breath. I didn't have much lungs as it was. I was gasping for breath. I thought this was it. I'm gone, you know, fighting the warfare of soccer, praise God. But I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, I got my breath back. And I want to tell you what we need. We need to get our breath back, but the heathens need to have the breath knocked out of them. Amen. I'm not saying that we go to war just with heathens, folks. We go to war for God. And then we see that they were circumcised. That means they, they were remembering the covenant of the Lord. And then we see in verse 6, For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came to Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. All of men of war consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Then we see man and discontinued, new food is provided, and that food, verse 12, is of the, can of the fruit of the land of the Canaans, flowing with milk and honey and grapes big as a grapefruit. Hallelujah. Don't you love that? I mean, friend, God provided in this new land, and God gave them victory. But wait a minute, the walls were up. Even though they, they probably uh, deserted their fields and they had all that food, deserted their storage rooms, all that food, all that provision, there was a war to fight. There was a victory to be won. And there was a big wall. And so Joshua goes out in reconnaissance. And he goes out and he spies. And he goes out and he scouts the night before the battle. And he goes out and all of a sudden he's confronted with this man. He thought it was an angel, but it wasn't just an angel. Uh, I'll, I'll prove that in just a minute. Because no angel will allow you to bow at their feet. Say amen. Thank God it was Jesus. Theopany is what the Bible calls it. It's a, it's a pre-incarnate state of Jesus. And, he, and it's seven times thus far, this is the seventh, that Jesus appeared to somebody in the Old Testament. Amen. And I want you to see this, friend. They were discouraged, the Canaanites. Uh, they were deflated, uh, but they were behind their walls, and it seemed like they were impregnable. And folks, we see that um, uh, there, was a, there was a confrontation that, that, that Joshua met the Lord before the battle. Have you prayed before the battle? Have you prayed for you worship this morning? Have you prayed for you sung that song choir? I'm going to tell you something. It's empty. It's futile for us to come not praying and asking God to prepare our hearts. Half of you slide in and half of you slide out real quick because you got so much going on on the Lord's day. I'm going to tell you something, friend. We ought to sanctify this moment. We ought to sanctify this service. And we ought to sanctify our hearts to meet the Lord even before we come in this place. Prepare our hearts for worship. The squire can't sing it down. And the preacher can't preach it in. We must prepare our hearts by meeting God. Amen. There's something more important than meeting Facebook. More important than Twitter. More important than TV. More important than entertainment. More important than self. We need to meet the Lord. 
I want revival to continue, don't you? The only way it's going to continue is every day we realize we're in a warfare. We need to meet the Lord. I could quit right here and have the altar call. Some of you said, I wish you would because I'm hungry. But I'm not going to quit right there. I'm telling you, friend, we need to get serious about this worship. We need to get serious about serving God. And we need to get serious because the warfare is coming and He's trying to take your children. He's trying to take your life. He's trying to take your marriage. He's trying to take you into bitterness. He's trying to put strongholds. And you say, well, it won't happen to me. It's happened in this church before and it can happen again. I'm talking about church family. That you'd never think things would go like they're gone. But the devil attacked. The devil got victory. Because somebody dropped their guard. It's serious. This is serious. Don't sleep through my message. Look up here. Any time to pray. Get your Bible out. Read it. Follow along. Let God speak to you. Or you have wasted this hour. We're in a warfare. We're not playing games. This is boot camp. God's called us to prepare to go out and battle. And folks, we need to take it serious. We need to take it serious. I see, first of all, the person in the confrontation. Verse 13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was at Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? We see the location. He was probably scouting the battle, Jericho. We see that he looks up and he sees the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is the person. He is the captain, and here's a strong word, of the host of the Lord. There's more power in God's name than all the devils and demons of hell. The name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. One thing that I noticed about this in verse 13, he has a sword drawn. Now that scared me half to death. If all of a sudden I'm out scouting, and here's this majestic person with a sword drawn, I think I'd do the same thing that Joshua did. I'd fall on my face. I'm glad he didn't try to fight him, Brother Chris. I'm glad he didn't try to maneuver and manipulate. He just fell on his face. When's the last time you fell on your face when you saw the conditions of this world? When's the last time you fell on your face before you came into this place and said, Lord, speak to me. My heart has a stronghold. I'm depressed. I'm bitter. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I'm defeated in my personal life. I see, first, see second of all, not only the person in the confrontation, but I see the probing in the confrontation. He had courage. He had courage to ask this question. Are you for us or against us? <laughs> Here's the challenge. The challenge is, is be of great courage, Joshua 1.7. Brother Larry, some of your favorite verses. Be of good courage. He had great courage to ask that question. And folks, we need more probing into who God is. We need more probing into what God wants us to do. 
Most of our prayers are like this. It's a grocery list. God, give me, give me, give me. But I want you to notice, and I'll conclude the message with this, Joshua didn't ask for one thing. He just said, I'm available. What you want from me? I see the conviction in the probing. Joshua said, you're either a friend or a foe. Listen to me now. I know a lot of you are sleeping. You're either against God or for God. There's no neutral ground. He knew it. He said, are you for us or against us? He said, there's no middle ground. You're just not an angel. You're just not a figment of my imagination. Folks, then I see the, uh, the pronouncement in this confrontation. Thank God the pronouncement was in verse 14, and he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. He said, No, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. Amen. He said, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over if you'll let me. Victory was won at Calvary. Victory is yielding to the Spirit of God. And as our last verse of our Sunday school lesson said, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he, he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Even our faith. We're overcomers through Christ. Let's get it straight. We cannot win this battle in the flesh. Stop playing church. And stop flirting with the flesh and congratulating yourself for being such a great Christian. God's the only one can help us. Say amen. I'm telling you, friend, we need God more than ever. Who would ever thought it? That we live in such a wicked day. Such an antagonistic day. Our vice president, who's a Christian, is up at Notre Dame University and half the class, not half class, a few rebels just walked out when they introduced him. I wouldn't have gave him the diploma. <laughs> I'd have said, you're failed. Get out of here. Bunch of rebels. You can't even respect the vice president of the United States. I don't care what party he's at. You ought to show some respect. And that's the culture we live in today. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, and nobody's going to tell me that I can't have a, a transgender operation and and uh, and um, and um, uh, I, I, I can uh, turn myself into a, another human being. And folks, who or do we think we are? God? And that's exactly what humanism thinks. And folks, I want you to know with all my heart, I never thought we'd live in a day of such rebellion. And it's a sin of witchcraft. I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about spiritually. A baby has a right to live. Say amen. Hey, I want to tell you something, friend. A man and a woman ought to be married. Say amen. This is going to get us all in trouble. But I want to tell you something. I'd rather stand for God than recant. And when I've read about the great martyrs of the faith that died with slow-burning fires and had the Bible in their hand while they were dying, I'm saying I need to take a stronger stand for God's Word. But he was superior in his pronunciation, his pronouncement. His announcement of who He is. He said, I'm the Lord of hosts. <laughs> Woo! I'm telling you, when you meet the Lord of the hosts, the captain of Jehovah's army, you can claim Romans 8.31, if God be for you, who can be against you? But if you're out of the will of God, buddy, you're in trouble. If you're out of the will of God, I'm telling you, friend, the flesh will not get you out of the fixes that you're about to find. 
the losses that you're about to acquire. And friend, the tragedies that's going to take place in your life of missing God's will. God's power, God's peace, God's purpose for your life and your children's. The Savior is the revelation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It is Him. It's the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. The theologians call it philopomy or theoboli or whatever. I can't even pronounce it. But folks, the Bible says, move over to Judges chapter 2 verse 1 real quick. I'm about finished. Y'all, y'all hold on. Judges chapter 2 in verse 1, the Bible says this, And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgad to Bosham, said, I made, I made you to go up out of Egypt, and I have bought you in the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Hallelujah. Jesus announces, personally, I'll never break my covenant. He's already appeared to Hagar, Genesis 16, 8, 7. He appeared to Abraham, Genesis 18, verse 1. He appeared to Jacob. Genesis chapter 32. And he appeared to, he's going to appear to Gideon, Judges chapter 6. Now he appears to Joshua. Jesus was not a created being, Jehovah Witnesses. He's always been. And he shows up to prove it. And folks, I want you to know, and I want you to know straight, that we need his, his, his presence. And what was Joshua's response? What was Joshua's response? Look, look at our text. It says, and he said, Nay, but I, I, as the captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his what? Face to the earth. Hallelujah. And what did he do? And he did worship. <laughs> Folks, listen. Worship is not always swinging from the chandeliers in a rock band. It's not just celebrate. It's not just having fun. It's not just a feeling. Sometimes it's a breaking. I don't think we ought to be sad all the time, but we've got to be sad before we'll be glad because that's called conviction. And it's called repentance. And then the joy of the Lord takes over. Amen. And your prayers are answered. No greater joy. But I see Him I see the prostration in the, in the confrontation. He just falls on his knees. And then last but not least, or maybe next to last but not least, I see his prayer. I see his prayer in verse 14. And he said, Joshua fell on his face and did worship and he said unto him, is that not a prayer? Have you talked to him lately? I know you have. I know you prayed for me. I can feel it. I can sense it. But he said unto him, praying, What saith my Lord unto his servant? I like that. He said, What saith the Lord? Folks, prayer is not just asking and receiving. Prayer is listening. Listening direction listening for confirmation listening for power and peace and purpose listening to his voice it's worship 
It's communion. It's not moving until God lets you. And then being led by the Spirit of God to do great things that you won't get the credit for, but God will. Like walls falling. When a bunch of people go around with trumpets and shouting. Joshua did not have a prayer for the captain to do something for him. Oh, by the way, since you're here, Lord, would you please do da 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 That'd be a lot of us, amen? I've got my list here and you had not answered it yet. I've been waiting on this, God. I'm glad you showed up so I can just confront you about it. Who do we think we are? Amen. He's flat on his face. He probably looks up on his back and says, God, Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Are you speaking to him? But the more, more important question is, is he speaking to you? And then I guess the most important question is, are you listening? We're in a warfare. We better listen. This is wicked time. We better listen. And then I see the precept of this confrontation. And this is last but not least, the reply. The reply. By the way, he said, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. This is the general speaking. This is the captain of the Israelites speaking. This is the man that God had raised up to establish the new land and to take the new, uh, the new victories. And he said, it's your servant. That's why we ought to pray. And his reply is so wonderful and so beautiful and so powerful. A, a, a prayer for a soldier. And the captain of the Lord of hosts said unto Joshua, are you interested in this? Loose thy shoe. Now folks, he didn't say shoes, he said shoe. It could have been shoes, but he said shoe from off thy foot. When a man took off one shoe and offered it to a person, he was making a covenant with him. And he was realizing that that person made a covenant with him. And folks, I want you to know, he was saying hey, I made a promise and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to give you this land. You will conquer giants and the walls will come down. But you got to believe me that you need to take off your shoes for this is holy ground. Folks, there is no victory in the battle without the breastplate of righteousness on your heart. Holiness. Holiness. Folks, that's not a description of some church over here off 41 Highway. Holiness. Folks, we're all to be holy. If we're going to have victory in the battle, we must come to God on His terms, submit to Him, surrender to Him, and say you're holy. Folks, it's holy ground when we worship Him. It's holy ground when you pray. And folks, when we go into battle, it's even holier ground. Because when the devil's defeated, you better believe it's the Lord's victory, not yours.
And when you take off your shoe or your shoes, whichever you want to call it, you're saying, Lord, you made the covenant. This is your battle. This is your ground. And you are God and I'm just a servant. And the breastplate of righteousness is put on hard and fast over your heart. And if not, when you get in the battle, the accuser of the brethren is going to accuse you of all the sin in your heart and you're going to lose courage. The badge of courage is the breastplate of righteousness. If you're not right with God, the devil has you right where he wants you. And you'll be defeated in the flesh. And you can pray all you want to. If you don't take off your shoes, there is no victory. And say it's holy ground. It's sanctified ground. And if not, you're going to fall. And you're going to reproach the name of God. And you're going to shame the name of Jesus. And the victory is going to be the devil's and he's going to laugh and accuse you during the battle of sin in your life. Of selfishness in your heart. And vainglory in the battle. So Joshua said, okay Lord, I'll take my shoe off. Because you're interested in holiness, I'm interested in holiness. And the response was, in verse 15, immediate, impartial obedience. Because he said, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And here's the last thing that brought the victory about. Before all the walls, and none of the walls would have fallen. He said, and Joshua did so. The response from a humble, submissive servant. Lord, I can't handle these walls. Can I say you can't handle the flesh? You'd be surprised how many marriages and how many people in this room have strongholds of bitterness in their heart. And they try to pray and they're standing in their own self-righteousness. I have a right to get this off my life. I have a right for this prayer to be answered. And God says, take your shoe off. It's amazing how the world is against God. And I'm not trying to have some kind of paranoid complex here. But the last time I checked, it's not as popular to be a Christian as it was when I started this church in 1978. People are not as receptive, Brother Randy, as when I started in 1978. And they're a whole lot disrespect, more disrespectful. There's a climate out there of entitlement. There's a climate out there of self-sufficiency. What we need to do as Christians, we need to get back to the holy ground and become the light and the salt. And then there's humble submission not only against the flesh and the world, but against Satan. He's our arch enemy. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. Can somebody say amen right there? He wants to destroy your children. 
I pray much for our graduates. Because I believe it's 7 out of 10, Brother Jason, that don't come back to church after they graduate from high school. Nationwide. What a terrible statistic. What a sad epitaph for our next generation. But the, the Satan is a devourer. Satan is a deceiver. And Satan is a destroyer. And he uses pride and discouragement as his tools. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God. And how do we put on the whole armor of God? Verse 18, and I'll close. Ephesians 6, 18. He says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We need to pray in the Spirit. That's not tongue speaking. That's not some ecstatic heavenly language. It's letting the Spirit of God intercede for you, Romans 8, 26. To, to, to help you to learn the will of God. And to live the will of God. And to love the will of God. And that's victory. The folks of the Bible says praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. You know why I love this church so much? Because this is not only spiritual boot camp where we're trained to go out in this world and be Joshua's. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place of mutual prayer. It's brought out in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Mutual prayer. It's a place where, folks, when we're so low, we don't feel like we can even pray. And somebody comes alongside and prays. My mother named me after John Wayne. I don't know. You know, Joshua would have been fine. John, James. I'd have took Gideon. I'm glad she didn't call me Moses. But anyway, she called me John Wayne. She was a John Wayne fan. And first name's Kenneth, second name's Wayne. But I remember coming up as a child, we'd watch all those old John Wayne movies, black and white. <laughs> they were good, clean. Not wasn't much cussing. It was war going on. They wasn't cussing. They were dodging the bullets. And I'll never forget one. Never forget it all my life. They had those old upside down pots on World War One helmets, you know. And they they were in that foxhole, and I mean the earth was shaking and the dust was flying and bombs. And this old guy got a wind up walkie talkie. <laughs> Said we need some air support. Latitude and longitude, so and so and so and so. About that time, I don't know how Hollywood did it. Praise God, about that time, here comes the bombs. Shaking the earth, dust are flying, all the people in the foxhole rejoicing because they had air support. I'll tell you what, in this warfare, we need. We need some air support. We need some Christians that will pray for the missionaries on the front line. We need to pray, we need, we need Christians to pray the devil off the preacher's back that he wouldn't fall in sin, ruin his marriage, and then have, forfeit, his, forfeit his whole ministry. We need some prayer for our teachers. We need some prayer for our deacons. We need some prayer for our ushers. We need prayer for one another. 
Because sometimes we're so weak we don't know how to pray. And we're in the battle so thick we don't know what to do. And so we have to head, we have to, head to our knees and lay before the, the host, the, the Lord of hosts, and say, God, we can't handle this battle. We can't even see the battle. It's invisible warfare. No, oh God, would you please send some help from heaven? And then the bombs begin to fly. And the walls begin to fall. And the people began to rejoice because we, what? Prayed in the Spirit for one another. Miss Jennifer, we've been praying for you. I can't imagine the battle you're going through. We've been praying for you. And when you hadn't felt like praying, we've been praying anyway. And I want to tell you this. If we don't pray for one another, we're all going to go under. We're all going to be defeated. Folks, this is not a game. This is a warfare. Emotionally, physically, and spiritually, the devil is trying to kill this church. One family at a time. So what we need to do before the battle, during the battle, and after the battle, is we need to fall prostrate on our face and say, Dear God, I can't handle it. And Lord, I need your direction. Would to God some of y'all would have got that direction before you made some mistakes in this room. Some of y'all nodding your head. You know, you know the trauma of divorce. You, you know what it's doing to your kids. I can't imagine my kids going through that. You know you can't handle it. You know you can. But God will give you help and strength if you'll meet Him on His ground and not yours. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for changing this message this morning. Lord, sometimes I get a little afraid when you do this. But I, look, I really believe this was the message. God, help us. Not only as we remember the fallen that gave their lives for our country, but God, thank you for those that gave their lives for our Scripture and our freedom to worship. God, if they believed enough to give their lives at a burning stake, for this Bible, Lord, at least we can do is read it. At least we can do is pray over it. At least we can do is come worship with it. So, Lord, help us. For we're in a warfare. We need each other. We need the local church to pray for one another. We don't need to be some isolated soldier out there trying to fight the battle on their own. God, we need each other. The devil's the biggest con artist that's trying to split us up. And thank you, dear God, for the unity and peace I feel in this church. And it's only the grace of God that is here because so many churches, 1,500 of them closed their doors last year. 1,500 in the United States. So Lord, help us to fall on our face and meet the captain of the host before we try to face the battles this week.